This is Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. Yes, we are a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about today's news and issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. And let me go and introduce our vast crew of panelists to you today. Yes, we have attorney Ken Afianco. Ken is not only an attorney. No, he's active, actually, law enforcement, has his law enforcement certification in the state of Florida. And Ken has represented cops from uh, from all all over the state. So uh, he he is uh, he has got it going on and he is up to speed with everything. So we're going to need his expertise on the day show. A shout out to our sponsors. We have Motion DSP, GallsGunLearn.com, MyMedicare.Live, and we are fueled by Bang Energy. Yes, I'm drinking the uh, Cherry Blade Lemonade today. It seems to be doing the trick. I'm talking pretty fast, Ken. I think I think I can pass that test. So uh, shout out to Brian Burns, Free Press for carrying our content. Thank you. And hey, huge shout out, Ray Dietrich, Red Voice Media. Great news source. And at Red Voice Media, you know, out of the eight streams we have going currently, three of those are going through uh, Red Voice Media Facebook pages with about one million followers. So thanks so much, Ray Dietrich and Red Voice Media. Guys, we have a great lineup for you. Um, look, we're going to start off with the main topic. We're gonna, we do one main topic typically in every show. They have a tendency to be a little bit deeper. And that's why I'm glad that we have Attorney Ken on the show. This is right in this wheelhouse. This first one, it's on Police One. Uh, Val Van Brocklin actually wrote this article, and it's titled Fourth Circuit is First to Rule that Live Streaming Police is Protected Speech, but Questions Remain about Officer Safety. This is a, a highly contested issue, just like I put it up there with uh, qualified immunity. I get in a lot of debates with people on YouTube about this. Uh, a lot of times they don't fully understand what the law says. They think that they should be able to film and do things no matter what cops are doing or how they feel and stuff. Um, and this law has progressed progressed over time. When I started my law enforcement career and people were filming, uh, you know, we could seize the video, it became evidence and all kinds of stuff. And of course, uh, the times have changed, courts have interpreted things differently and there's new laws in place that we know think we handle things differently. So in this article, it, is, it says that it's well established that recording police is protected by the First Amendment. And I, I agree with that. But as a U.S. appeals court has ruled for the very first time, live streaming in real time is also protected speech. And now it goes on to say that, um, however, that was not the end of the court's analysis. It says that that means that police need to understand what law enforcement interests might outweigh the free speech protection of live streaming and under what circumstances. Now, it talks about the people involved in the case. Uh, John Sharp, the Winter Haven Police Department. We've got Officer Ellis and Officer Helms that were involved in this little situation. And it talks about how that toward the end, the Fourth, um, uh, the fourth Circuit in the Sharp case concluded that uh, officer safety interests might justify curtailing live streaming. But that says it might. And, and Attorney Ken will explain that to us in a second. It goes on to say that officers will need to articulate specific facts in specific incidents that weren't restricting the citizen's First Amendment right to live stream. So if you're going to impede on that, or, or attempt to, you've got to be able to articulate it, guys. But cops are good at that. We have to do that when we arrest bad guys. So, um, But you really need to do it here. Now, it goes on to say the agency's policy and officers' articulable facts should take into account arguments. Now, it talks about stopping passengers from live streaming traffic stops It serves no if it serves no legitimate purpose. It talks about banning passengers from live streaming. It also serves no practical purpose. It talks about there's been no evidence that live streaming actually endangers officers. So you're going to have to come up with another reason it says that then there's the fact that the Fargo in North Dakota, uh, that police department decided that it would live stream traffic stops in the spirit of community outreach. And they go on to say that if you're going to say the live streaming creates danger, then why do we have agencies that are live streaming traffic stops? Then, you know, you can't have, have it both ways. And it says it closes the article by saying, bottom line, get ahead of this issue. The Fourth Circuit has specifically held that live streaming is protected speech. That means if officers do violate that right, 
qualified immunity is less likely to protect them absent articulable evidence-based officer safety concerns. Wow, that's a, uh, that's a great way to close and spot on. Attorney Ken Afianco. Yes, sir. Well, there's a lot to unpack in this decision. But all in all, I will tell you that I think the court followed past presidents from other circuits. The bottom line is years ago, courts have established that a citizen has a right to film law enforcement officers. This case was a little different because it's live streaming. And as we know, live streaming is a pretty popular among a lot of people. So they live streamed a traffic stop and this is how the case came to the fourth circuit for analysis. I think the court did get it right. I mean, the bottom line is whether it's live streaming or filming a police officer, a citizen's first amendment rights are one of the strongest amendments a person has. In order for the government to overcome a citizen's first amendment rights, you have to prove what they call strict scrutiny which is the most strictest of all standards in which a government would have to prove to overcome someone's fundamental First Amendment rights to free speech. In this case, the court looked at strict scrutiny, uh, excuse me, strict scrutiny and said that there's no reason why live streaming should be prohibited unless the agencies can pr prove some sort of endangerment to the officers. And in the case before the court, they said they didn't see it. But Again, the court left open the door that if an agency can prove that this is an endangerment to officers, that may prevent a citizen from live streaming an event. So off the top of my head, I would say something like maybe a surveillance operation or some sort of SWAT operation where you really can't have those, those particular officers exposed to what's going on live because that would endanger them from people coming in and doing whatever. But I think the basic premises, although maybe officers might have some sort of grief with it, I think it was sounded or grounded in sounded legal precedent. So live streaming, at least at this particular time, without more, is going to be allowed. My only fear is because this court's decision, maybe more people will start doing it. And honestly, as a police officer, as long as I have it, I didn't like being recorded. And I, I personally probably wouldn't like being live streamed as well. It, it, it's just a sort of a chilling effect and it makes you aware of what's going on. Not saying I'm doing anything inappropriate. It's just a different level of how you approach things when you're on camera. So, but again, law enforcement adapts and I think will adapt to this as well. But again, certain circumstances might be exempt from this particular live streaming. We'll just have to wait and see. I'm glad the way, and I appreciate the way you put that, uh, Ken, because, you know, you're not saying, and say, in fact, you're saying specifically that it does not give them carte blanche, you know, to do whatever they want to do just because you're live streaming. You know, you just can't impede investigations and walk around and get really close to a cop that's arresting a bad guy and say, well, I'm live streaming. I can, I, I can do this. I'm, it's protected speech. You know, that's not what the court is saying. Now, there are going to be guys, I agree, that are going to push the envelope. Um, and, and look, I, as cops, yeah, look, I, I'd rather, when I do it, when, I, when I've done traffic stops, you don't want to have to be worried about other people that are there. You don't want a guy pulling over off the interstate behind you um, and you're dealing with a bad guy that's in front of you because, you know, maybe he's a drug runner. He's got a – we talked before the show, Ken, and maybe this guy's with him. He's going to take you out. As soon as you turn your back to deal with his partner that you don't know is his partner, you're the drug runner, you know, he's going to take you out and shoot you or whatever. So you need to – you want to focus your attention on one bad guy. Or if there's more than one bad guy, you want them to be in the same field of view. You don't want guys, you know, beside you and behind you and all that stuff. We've got jurisdictions that are creating distance rules like 25 feet 
um, to where people cannot get within that distance if you're doing in the lawful performance of your duty. So I'm kind of curious how this is going to be um, pushed. How, who's going to push the envelope? You know it's going to get pushed, but I'm kind of curious how they're going to push it. Um, but yeah, as a cop, we don't like guys up in our face. You know, we're working, you know, the RNC, the DNC, we're working a Super Bowl and you've got, uh, you're doing crowd control and you've got guys up so close, they're just yelling at you and maybe they're spitting in your face and you've got like a riot helmet on doing crowd control and batons and stuff and you've got to sit there and put up with it. So is it, is it fun? Do you wish you could push a button and make it and make it not happen? Yeah, absolutely. But you, we realize as cops, as good cops, that it's a first amendment rights and whatever those rights are, we have to preserve those and we're doing our job even when it's uncomfortable. And good cops do that. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that think cops just hate all citizen rights. We don't want, you know, uh, law-abiding citizens to carry guns and stuff. And that could not be further from the truth. So, um, anyhow, um, I, I like the way you shed light on that, Ken. I appreciate it. In, in, any other comments before we move on to the next one? Or Well, I think, Chip, you mentioned that we still have the ability to take someone to jail if they obstruct our investigation. So if these live streaming people push it too far and are obstructing our investigation or trying to disrupt us, we still have the ability to take them to jail and that's still in place. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And they just, you know, sometimes look, I get in debates with a lot of people, especially on YouTube that just simply, they don't have the capacity to get it. That's just the best way I can put it. It's not necessarily an intelligence thing. Just some people till I'm blue in the face, I can explain things to them and they're not going to get it. They're not going to know and understand why when you're putting hands on a bad guy and now you're in a fight and you've got civilians that are within maybe striking distance. I mean, within within the distance of them being able to strike you, um, why that would be a problem and why you would give them a verbal warning during a fight. If you're not, look, if you're not going to assist me in, in arresting this bad guy, then just get away. So I don't have to worry, but just get away from me so I can do my thing, you know, without being surrounded by a crowd or a mob. They're not going to understand. They're going to think they have the First Amendment right protection to do that stuff. And and they'll, they'll learn alternatively uh, in, in a jail cell that they were wrong, but they're not going to, they're just not going to understand and get it and I'm not, I'm to the point now where I, I just don't care. Let them learn the hard way if they want to, but sometimes you can just talk to your blue in the face, it's gonna do no good. So, uh, but from a law enforcement officer, just let us do our jobs, people, please. Uh, but but I think the vast majority of law-abiding legal citizens uh, want to support us and, and they do do that. So um, if, there, if there's nothing else, Ken, we'll move on to our, our next one then. I've got just over a minute before we take our first commercial break, but on this next one, uh, we've got a uh, an update and it's on lawofficer.com. So member of Tennessee Air National Guard applies to be a hitman on a parody website. Wow. Now, look, we're talking about the, the National Guard. They've been in the news, you know, lately. Uh, um, a, a, another National Guard, but, you know, with the leak of the sensitive, you know, uh, you know, classified information. But we're in Nashville on this one. So a member of the Tennessee Air National Guard uh, was arrested last week after applying to be a hitman on a parody website. Now, I think that using the term parody website is a little misleading. Um, so we're going to describe to you exactly what was going on with that. He was subsequently charged in the U.S. District Court for the Middle District of Tennessee with the use of interstate facilities in the commission of murder for hire. So that whole interstate thing uh, had that little uh, federal nexus for him that got him really jammed up uh, in a serious way. Look, it's a great story. Stick with us. We're going to get more into this. A commercial break. We'll be right back. You know, Motion DSP, they've been supporting the law enforcement profession for over 15 years for the robust suite of video and audio redaction and enhancement software. The Motion DSP software, easy to use, requires no specialized training or expertise, and you can save valuable time with Spotlight's one-click automated tracking feature and forensic suite of enhancement filters, achieving results quickly in just three steps, import, process, and export. Now, Spotlight is built specifically for redaction, 
It's designed to work with video from any camera source and using motion DSPs, algorithms, and object tracking technology, it automates the process of blurring faces and other identifiable information, and it saves users countless hours compared to manual frame-by-frame redaction. And forensic enhancement software, that allows users to quickly process and analyze any video, video file format using patent super-resolution algorithms and enhancement filters to reveal an unseen level of detail. You can get forensically valid evidence from just low-quality video in minutes instead of hours. So you can learn more about all these products by going to motiondsp.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Yes, we are live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. You know, on commercial break, I saw we had Gary LaFay. Yes, Gary LaFay is uh, hes on one of our streams conversing with us. And, uh, yeah, so if you've noticed me moving a little slow, it's because I played tennis with Gary LaFay last night. Guy's brutal. He's a brutal tennis player. He has no respect for other players. He just he was taking me out. If there's you know, any, any opportunity he has to hit the ball at you or by you, he's going to seize that opportunity. But, no, he's a great tennis player, good friend. So thanks for watching the show, Gary. So, we look, we, we left off talking about a member of the, of the Tennessee Air National Guard applying to be a hitman on a website. Not the smartest move, but, hey, Josiah Ernesto Garcia is only 21 years old. So, he's one of these guys, Attorney Ken, that's learning the hard way, apparently. So, he was identified as, well, they, they're calling him the dunce. This is, I'm just reading from the article, guys. So, he's identified as the dunce who applied for work as a hired killer on the website, rentahitman.com. Yes, I can't make this stuff up. He reportedly needed money for his family. He thought that he could put his training to use and become a contract mercenary. Wow. This is in the Daily Wire. So uh, so good good news story. Garcia initially reached out to the site on February the 16th. He completed an, an uh, inquiry from, uh, I, I guess, an inquiry form and, and indicating that he's interested in obtaining employment as a hitman. He highlighted that he has military experience, he has rifle experience, and he was employed in the Air National Guard since July of 2021. And during his application, he requested an in-depth description according to the court documents that were filed April the 12th, and the New York Post reported this. So, And it said that he declared, hey, why I want this job? I'm looking for a job that pays well, related to my military experience, shooting and killing the, uh, the marked target, uh, so I can support my kid on the way. And uh, what can I say I enjoy doing what I do? So if I can find a job that's similar to it, such as this one, put me in coach. Put me in coach. Wow, not first class, but coach. Wow. So the FBI uh, used an undercover agent to pose as an employee during a months-long investigation, and it was a sting operation, according to the Yahoo News. The agent appeared to give Garcia a way out of the situation. So listen to all the outs that this agent gives Garcia. Um, but the Garcia actually declined, decided to proceed anyhow. But the agent said, hey, uh, you are locked in, you know, the question mark. This is what you want? Uh, because it sounds like you have a lot going on. Uh, you're in the military. You've got college. Uh, you've got a lot going on as far as good things in your life uh, to kind of get in this world. It's really a shady world, and I don't want you to have regrets if you come to work for us because, I mean, it messes with your mind shooting people. Wow. Do they give them out to what? Garcia replies that he had weighed the psychological effects of killing someone and that he's okay with it. He also indicated that he preferred to kill people outside of Tennessee, but he's fine doing work locally as well. The criminal defendant suggested that he would kill as many as 50 people. It's five zero people and not have a problem with it. And that's rookie numbers. He said, my only question is when I can start. I'm very excited. Wow. These are all quotes, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, an incredible story. It goes on to say that during the sting, Garcia was provided with a packet of fictitious persons, um, along with information on, on uh, specific to the bogus job. 
that was established by the FBI. He reportedly agreed to kill the individual. He collected an initial payment of $2,500 for the contract killing, and then he's immediately arrested by the FBI. And he can serve up to 10 years in prison if he's convicted, and I suspect that he will be. Uh, Attorney Ken, what can you say about that? Wow. All I can say is calling this guy a dunce would be a compliment. When I first heard about this story, I thought this guy was just joking with the parody website. He was just playing along with it. And then the more I read, I'm like, are you kidding me? This guy is serious. And what even made it even more bizarre, he actually took the money, which obviously then it became the crime. I mean, he could have argued the whole time he was only joking up until the time he put the money in his pocket. But some of the stuff he was saying is really, really scary. Like he didn't have a problem cutting off fingers, cutting off ears and sending them to the victim or torturing the victim and showing it to the person hiring. It's just quite disturbing. And what's even more disturbing, although this guy is out there, there's no doubt about it, but there's a lot of other people in this world, I'm sure probably would have done the same thing. And that's even more scary. This guy deserves more than 10 years in prison. He has some serious psychological issues, especially a family man with kids. Are you kidding me? I love the part, though, where he said he'd rather not do it in Tennessee, but he still would if the price was right. It's just amazing. He needs to go away for a long time. I was just appalled when I read this story. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. He's got a kid on the way, so he's going to be a baby daddy. And uh, wow, what a legacy he's, he's leaving, huh? You know, the, the whole parody website thing, what a great excuse that would be uh, uh, until you accept the $2,500 as the down payment for the first hit. You know, that kind of defense kind of goes out the window now, I guess. Absolutely. You know what this reminds me of is the old undercover sting operations where uh, police departments would open up a pawn shop and people would come in yeah. and sell all their stolen goods. This is the same deal, only this is murder for hire pawn shop. And the guy, I I mean, I I don't even know how to explain this. The guy is just an idiot, a criminal, and he deserves to go to prison. It's disturbing. Yeah, you just can't make this stuff up. So I'm reading the story. The first time you heard about the story, Ken, was it it when I sent it? Or had you already heard about it before I sent it to you? Or? No, I actually heard it on Channel 8 News one morning. They, they put a story up on it, and I'm like, oh, this has got to be a joke. Parody website, this guy was just messing around. And then I heard he actually took the $2,500, and I'm going, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. So that's when I so first Channel heard it. Eight, Channel 8 News scooped us is what you're basically saying. They scooped us. Uh, wow. They had it on the day of his arrest, and I think it was on the morning show, too, the national news as well. I think it was on this morning, as a matter of fact. But, yeah, they picked up on it because this is such a bizarre story. Well, well, you know, for the female listeners listening to the show, we'll try to broadcast and give updates on where he's going to be, uh, what facility he'll be in, where he'll be stationed at, you know, what prison he'll be in in case anyone, you know, he's going to be, look, he's a single guy. Uh, I don't think he was married. He's got a baby on the way. But, hey, you know, conjugal visits, you know, he's going to be in need for the next 10 years. So, you know, we'll try to get that information out to some of our listeners. So, uh, wow. You just you just can't make this any better, Producer Jimmy. Wow. Um, it just makes it, me wonder if this guy ever killed anybody. The way he's talking in this article, it sounds like he's got experience doing this, which is even more scary. He, he probably does through gaming is what I suspect, Ken. That's what I, that's a sad truth. I suspect he's a gamer and uh, the Air National Guardsman for Tennessee and, you know, just a, uh, you know, a, a wannabe with, uh, with, with no uh, more moral uh, fortitude. So what are you, you going to do? 
Um, guys, we got some great stuff coming up. Got a story with a video component that we're going to describe in great detail for everybody. So stick with us. Commercial break. We'll be right back. Now, let's talk about Gauls. And you guys are familiar with Gauls, right? I mean, they're the country's leading uniform, clothing, equipment, and gear provider for law enforcement. And they have a variety of offerings, everything from multi-tools and flashlights to duty belts and tactical gear. And as Captain Brett Bartlett, who's a panelist on our show, always says, they pretty much have everything except for guns and ammunition. You know, I know we had uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman on the show, and he was talking about how much he uses uh, uh, Gauls and their product line and stuff. Uh, you know, what a great company. And when I said clothing and, and, uh, and uniform provider, let me tell you, my former agency, the Tampa Police Department, you know, when I was, you know, active with them, we went through uh, a couple of uniform providers, and everybody seemed like they were always dropping the ball. Let me tell you, they have a Gauls uniform office right inside Tampa Police Headquarters, and, and they are doing a jam-up job for what I understand. So uh, please check them out at Gauls.com slash Leo. The slash Leo tells them where you're coming from. Gauls.com slash Leo, especially Gifts, products, guys, check them out today. Gauls.com slash Leo. All right, and welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We are live from the Boss Hog Studios in Florida. And so, look, our first story with a video component, and for our radio and podcast listeners, we'll describe in great detail what's going on so you don't feel like you're missing out on anything. So this first video is pretty amazing. I hope Gary uh, LaFay is still watching the show because this is what he lives for. And look, for people that watch the show, obviously, on a live show, uh, we don't have the capability. Too many things can go wrong trying to, to put a live video into a to a to a show. So we'll the next morning, nine o'clock, it'll be on our YouTube channel, and then we'll put it on Rumble as well. So this first one's on Police One, and it's called "Pizza Delivery Man Trips a Suspect Running from Police." Haven Delco shared this video with us as a pizza is being delivered to her home. A police pursuit is about to come to a screeching halt. The suspect there on foot takes off running, and there the delivery person. Just trips him right before police. This is sensational. It's beautiful. And uh, and the guys, the, the pizza delivery guy is a hero. He, you know, he almost looks like a former military uh, guy, uh, uh, Ken, that's just doing pizza delivery, just, you know, um, you know, helping out and uh, enjoying his job. And then he sees the opportunity to use some of his skills, you know, in his wheelhouse. Right. So Brookhaven, Pennsylvania, a doorbell camera video captures the moment a pizza delivery man helps stop a suspect running from the police. So the uh, Brookhaven homeowner, he shared this footage from his ring uh, doorbell camera when Tyler Morell, and he is a Coco's Pizzeria delivery man. So he's the uh, the good guy, uh, Tyler Morell. He trips a suspect who was running from police, and this is on Fox 29. So the video shows police cruisers. They stop in front of the house that Morell is actually delivering the pizza to when the suspect gets out of a vehicle and he starts to run from the cops. So. Look, he's got a he's got a good lead on the cops, right? So as he's running on the sidewalk right past Morell, he sticks his foot out and he trips the guy, and the suspect goes all the way down on the ground. And it gives the cop time to run around the car and they nail him right as he gets up off the ground when he's getting ready to run again. And so uh yeah, the Brookhaven police officers, they make the arrest, and uh our our good guy, Tyler Morell, uh, you know, he's the uh, the good Samaritan. He said, I did as much as I could to prevent the cheese from sliding. Talking about the cheese pizza, right? Just a classic, classic line. You got to you got to love it, Ken. So what what do you think about the video? I mean, I had to watch it a, a number of times, Ken. I, I just a smile across my face. It was beautiful. I, I couldn't stop laughing again. He was oh, on an interview oh. this morning and he was proud of the fact that he did not spill any of the cheese in, into the actual carton. That was the best part of it all. And he actually delivered the pizza after he was done tripping this guy wow. down. But it was just beautiful. You're right. I mean, he's a big guy, so it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if he didn't have some sort of background and some sort of uh, fighting or something like that. But 
it was just absolutely beautiful. It's so nice to see a citizen actually intervene rather than yeah. pulling their stupid cell phone out and videoing something and seeing an officer get hurt. But it, it was just absolutely beautiful. I'd like to know what the bad guy has to say after what happened, being <laughs> tripped trip by a pizza guy. Are you kidding me? He's going to be an embarrassment when he goes to jail. So oh, I, I say the same thing, man. You know, you don't want to be that guy. You know, you get to the holding cell and then, you know, you're, you know, everybody's saying, hey, what happened? You know, then they, you don't tell them. And then they're watching the news, you know, and they're like, crap, you're the dude that got taken out by the pizza delivery guy, you know. Uh, exactly. Yeah, not, not a good thing. Yeah, exactly. That I was think, hilarious. Yeah. And he didn't he didn't fall. He didn't go down. You know, the good guy did. And he held the peach the whole time. And uh, and, you know, the homeowner not only had the doorbell cam, but it was, you know, it was his house getting the pizza delivery and stuff. And uh, it just made it's just a perfect story, you know, just a perfect story. So hopefully some maybe some doors will open up for this guy uh, because he did the right thing when so many people today are just not willing to do it. You know, thank God That's we got great. a video of it, you know. So. You know, it's funny because the police department called them up and said, hey, you know, we're looking for people. Uh, are you thinking about applying? You know, so they were looking to give him a job, but he has no interest in it. So but he did a great job and I'm sure he's going to be a celebrity for his 15, 20 minutes of fame. But it was awesome. And I like seeing that when a citizen helps out an officer. That's just refreshing. Yeah. To me. So they, they really reached out to him uh, with the interest. See if he was interested in the job, huh? They did. Yes. Oh, that, that would even make a better story, wouldn't it? Wow. It, it would be. Them up. Wow. Yes. All right. So, so let's see what let's see if we, if we can top the story. I don't know that we're going to be able to top this story or not, but it's all it's all good. So our, our second one with the video component and look, we're on Rumble and the name of the channel is called This Is Butter. I think it's the best law enforcement video channel out there that's on Rumble as well. So Phoenix police officers, they uh, shoot and kill an armed man who fired his gun into the air at an apartment complex. Oh. Hands up. Walk out to the middle. Step out to the middle of the parking lot, like he said. All right, on the ground. On the ground. On the ground, now. 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 Cody. Don't. Cody. Don't. Don't. Drop it. Drop it. Drop it. Drop it. Now. Now. Drop the gun. Drop the gun. You got him? Watch it. Drop it. Drop it. That's it. Drop it now. So, you know, some people that just don't know how we do our jobs or the risk factors may be scratching their head. Well, if he's shooting his gun in the air, you know, why are they take cops taking him out with lethal force, right? So Phoenix police officers shot and killed an armed man who police said fired his gun into the air at an apartment complex on April the 1st. And no, this is not an April Fool's joke. And there is a video component to this that shows exactly what went down, and it's accurately described in this article. Officers responded to the area after a woman calls 911, saying that a man that she knew had broken into her bedroom, so he's a burglar, potentially. She also told the operator that the man, 76-year-old Dwight Cord Cornwell, was bipolar and schizophrenic. So the dude's 76, so he's not a young guy, um, but he's bipolar and schizophrenic. So, and he's a, a potentially a burglar and he's armed. I mean, not, not a good combination, right? So Phoenix police, they locate our bad guy, Cornwell, our 76-year-old bad guy in the complex's parking lot and they command him to show his hands and he pulls a gun from his belt. And as Captain Brett Bartlett says, always be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. Show your hands. Oh, you got a gun a gun in your hand, right? So they begin firing less lethal pepper, ball, pepper balls um, at this dude. And let me tell you, 
They didn't fire one or two pepper balls. I mean, they're doing a, I, I lost count. I don't even know if you could watch this video and count how many how many uh, pepper balls they're hitting this guy with. And yeah, these guys, these, these balls have got, um, you know, the, uh, the the pepper balls have the pepper, you know, spray canisters in them it's, that they're just exploding, making it very, should make it difficult for this guy to see and to breathe. But instead of following commands, he fires his gun into the air, and that's when the police end up taking him out. They shoot him. Phoenix Fire Department, they arrive on the scene and they pronounce this guy, this bad guy, dead. So what I'm saying, I guess, is in a nice way is, and, and as nice as I can, don't be too sad about the 76-year-old that bit the dust because, you know, he's bipolar, schizophrenic, he's armed. Uh, allegedly a burglar, not a good dude. And, uh, and, you know, we have to purge the gene pool every once in a while. So attorney Ken. Yeah, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head. This, this one was you asked for it and you got it. I don't know if this was necessarily a suicide by cop, but maybe just a super mentally disturbed individual that was hell bent on doing something stupid. But I'll tell you, they gave him every opportunity in the book to comply. They yelled at him a hundred times, drop the gun, drop the gun. And you're right. The guy with the pepper ball gun, he had to, he had to keep shaking the container to see how many rounds he had in it because he's just nailing this guy. And there were great shots, too. They were right in the mid yeah. torso, and the guy had no effect. But, hey, all bets are off when you fire the gun. That's the green light. And they took appropriate action, and he died. So, Good no officers were hurt. Good no citizens were hurt. Unfortunate this guy took the actions that he did. But, hey, he brought it on himself, and the ending was inevitable, in my opinion. You know, we we finally had a less lethal uh, video story that we talked about the other day that worked out to, the, uh, to everybody's advantage with us not having to kill the bad guy. Because normally I just see kind of aggravate the circumstances. Now, obviously, um, we don't get – every video that involves every less lethal use of force. And so we're, we're usually getting the ones where the bad guy ends up dying. But and the ones that I see, it usually goes south. But I did see one prevented the bad guy from getting shot, um, you know, with with with, uh, with lethal force. He was getting hit with a with a bunch of bean bags and it ended up saving his life. And we didn't have to, you know, to kill him. Uh, and this guy, you know, I the only thing I, I noticed maybe differently than what you're saying, Ken, and, and maybe you'll agree with me, maybe you won't. But I, I did, you know. You're right. I mean, the accuracy for this guy, if I was the, the company that owned the pepper ball gun that this cop was using, I would use this in my ads. I would use this as selling because this guy was spot on um, the aiming and the uh, and the ability to just be you know the time on target and the and the and the ability to do fast trigger pulls uh, was just simply amazing. And uh, I mean, I, I, I tell you, if you told me that he fired and hit the guy with uh, 40 or 50 rounds, I would believe you. It just, but I did see the bad guy. It seemed like he did turn away from the cops that he was getting at least uncomfortable with being able to breathe, maybe even able to see. And he did turn his back to police and went around uh, that that corner of that. I think it was the vehicle. And he ended up putting the gun up in the air and shooting it. That my argument or my, I, you know, he, it may have caused him instead of pointing at the cops and shooting at the cops to maybe have done it in the air. I don't know if he was still able to see at that point, but I think that he. He got so uncomfortable because he was just getting nailed so much that he wanted to to get some relief by going around the corner where the guy couldn't get a, a good of a beat on him. Uh, but other than that, yeah, spot on. I loved watching that. It was just it was just a beautiful thing. And hey, how much fun for the guy being able to unload that that uh you know that pepper ball gun on him? How many videos have you seen with that many hits on target? That was just amazing. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that many pepper balls hit somebody. And, and like you said, they were dead on, right in his torso. They were going up in his face area. And, and it was just amazing that it had very little effect on this guy. But, 
you know, then again, we all know that we rely on less than lethal weapons. Sometimes they don't work. And this is a perfect example of it. Yeah. But when he pulled a gun out and shot it, it game over, no more pepper balls. That's the real yeah, stuff. You- when they were hitting, you could see the release of the of the pepper ball mist. I mean, you know, of the of the uh, of the of the chemical. It was just it was a it was a beautiful thing, you know. So um, anyhow, um, we're, we're coming up on a on a, another commercial break. So stick with us. I'm going to whet your appetite, you know, with our uh, our next article here. It's on PoliceTribune.com. Appeals court denies Derek Chauvin's request for a new trial. It says the former cop quote crossed a line. And, uh, yeah, we just talked about some of this stuff yesterday with Lieutenant Bob Kroll from Minneapolis. But, look, commercial break, we'll be right back. You know, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning and they've made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and it's the only company that offer a step-by-step program where they take you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist like Actually, Attorney Ken Apianko here and our panelist, uh, Captain Brett Bartlett. Now, they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that LEOs, law enforcement officers, need to know about firearms and ammunition to all factions of law enforcement. Now, you can start the day with online training, or you can register to attend a live seminar. And you can actually get free training for yourself and the personnel at your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at GunLearn.com. Let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County alone. Now, the benefits can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? The answer is simple. Contact MyMedicare.Live or call area code 813-245-6656, especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Talk to James or Bobby. Meet with them in person. They'll save you money on your medication co-pays. Find plans that your doctors accept and get more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, MyMedicare.Live. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We are live from the Boss Talk Radio Studios. We left off talking about an appeals court denying Derek Chauvin's request for a new trial. Remember, he's the guy that was with George Floyd when that whole mess went down. And they say that the former cop crossed the line. So we're in Minneapolis, of course. The uh, Minnesota Court of Appeals on Monday, they denied uh, Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin's request for a new trial said that the convicted former law enforcement officer had crossed a line. Now, the court announced its ruling on Chauvin's appeal uh, of his second degree murder conviction about 10 o'clock in the morning, April the 17th, according to the KMSP. Now, defense attorney William uh, Moorman uh, went before the state appeals court in Minnesota in January to argue that the man convicted of killing uh, George Floyd had not received a fair trial in Hennepin County, according to Fox News. Now, Attorney Mormon told the court that the pretrial publicity ahead of Chauvin's jury trial was more extensive than any case had ever been in the history of the state's court system. He argued that uh, Hennepin County District Court Judge Peter Cahill uh, made the wrong call when he failed to grant the change of venue to another jurisdiction, according to Fox News. And of course, let me ask you this to our listeners. When was the last time you ever saw a change of venue? I mean, it's been decades. Chauvin's attorneys had... um, argued that the media, it was a media circus is what they basically said. And uh, Mormon told the Minnesota Court of Appeals that the judge had improperly excluded evidence that could have been favorable to Chauvin and also accused the Minnesota Attorney General's Office and the Hennepin County District Attorney's Offices of misconduct. Now, in all fairness in the article, it does say that legal experts said that Chauvin's state appeal was moot 
because his federal sentence would still be in effect and keep him in prison likely longer than he would on the state charges. So that's what they're saying. Now, look, a lot of people that watch our show, uh, they know that we have, as a panelist, a guy named Bob Kroll. Now, Bob Kroll uh, was the union president for the Minneapolis Police Department. Uh, he was there uh, in charge of the union when uh, Derek Chauvin uh, had this thing go down with George Floyd. And Bob Kroll is married to Liz Collin. Liz Collin is a reporter, and she wrote a book called Their Line. Now, look, I, I highly recommend this book. I thought I knew a lot. And let me tell you, you really don't know much of anything on this George Floyd, Derek Chauvin thing. It's totally changed my opinion, and, it, and my opinion now is based on fact. And when they, when the defense attorneys, the, the attorneys representing Chauvin are saying that there was evidence that was not, that did not come out in court, man, they are not playing around. They're not kidding. There's all kinds of stuff, including the exact position that uh, that Derek Chauvin, the police officer, used on George Floyd. And look, you look at it, one camera angle, it looks like it's neck. You get to the different camera angle, and it shows that it's actually going up. It's on his the top of his back, not his neck, actually. And it shows that there's a training manual, and it puts uh, Derek Chauvin, the cop, in the exact same position on Derek, on uh, on George Floyd that it had in the training manual for a supposed bad guy. So he did exactly what he had been trained to do. But this training manual became up missing, was taken offline and not available during trial. And the judge didn't want to make stuff available to the jury. And so, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of bad stuff that happened that was unjust. So it's totally changed my opinion about George Floyd being the, uh, uh, well, Derek Chauvin being responsible for the death of George Floyd. Um, I changed my opinion on that. Instead of thinking that, that there were two bad guys, Derek Chauvin and George Floyd, I think there was one bad guy responsible for his death, and that would be George Floyd, um, and the guy that passed a counterfeit twenty uh, $20 bill and resisted arrest and, of course, had enough fentanyl in the system to kill one or two or three people. Um, so anyhow, that said, um, Attorney Ken, I've been talking, uh, but uh, is there anything that you wanted to uh, to add on this? All I can tell you, this is no surprise that the appeal was denied. There's no court that's going to touch this. This is too politically hot right now. Maybe some other time after things settle down after a few years, but there's just no way an appeals court's going to overturn this. So whether it's right or wrong, that's not up for me to say, but it's not going to be granted a new trial. There's just no way. So there's no surprise here. Ken, let me ask you something, because, you know, you would know better than better than I would. I I guess the interesting thing is just that you've actually got two You've got a federal sentence and you've got a state sentence on this. You've got two different courts of the land that have weighed in on this, that that Chauvin has been sentenced under. Um, So if you were um, representing him, is there a course? Is there a I guess what I'm asking, is there one defense you could do that would affect both sentences or would you have to go to the different courts? I mean, if, ideally, I guess if you got to go up to the to the U.S. Supreme Court, it might take care of both. But in order to get there, you would have to go through appellate courts all the way along the line. Uh, is there anything that what, what would you do? What would be the best way to tackle that? Unfortunately, one state system case does not affect the federal court system case. So there are two sovereign independent jurisdictions. So you'd have to go through independently with both of them. Gotcha. Okay. If it was a U.S. Supreme Court decision on this case, which I, I don't know that they would actually do one on, on a case like this, but if they did, that would affect both federal and state state uh, sentences, I would assume? Yes, it would. But there's really no constitutional issues involving the state system. So I, I think the attorney made some wonderful arguments as to why this trial should be given a second look, but there's just no way the court's going to do it. Okay. 
Well, I, our listeners, I encourage you guys, look, I downloaded the Kindle version. I put it on my phone, the Kindle app, and it's just a, it's a great resource. So their line by Liz Collin, it's a, uh, it's a fascinating, fascinating read. You won't believe what you see and the, uh, and the references and stuff and the pictures and proof. It's just amazing. So um, that said, uh, let's see, we've got a few minutes here. So let's see what our, our next one's going to be. We've got a video component to this. It's on um, Rumble. Uh, at rumble.com and this is butter's the name of the channel we have a body camera showing a handcuffed man escaping monroe county deputies by jumping off a cliff there you go you want your shirt back on buddy huh? you want your shirt back on yeah. okay. head this way right Wow, uh, this goes down. This goes down quick, guys, and uh, and you're going to be scratching your head and wondering who's responsible or if anyone is for this, other than the bad guy. So, a man attempts to throw a woman off a cliff at Cedar Bluffs Nature Preserve in Bloomington, and then in a whirlwind of events, he ends up jumping off the cliff in what deputies believe to be a mental health crisis. And my question would be, you think? So, deputies they're contacted April the 10th. It's six o'clock p.m. and they uh, the call is there's a mental health uh, in progress call, right? And there's a deputies are notified of a text that said people are going to find him at the bottom of Cedar Bluff. Now, the unidentified caller said that they did not want deputies to go to the nature preserve because they were fearful that it would escalate the situation and they would call back later if they needed more assistance. So later on at 706 or so just over an hour later, Monroe County deputies, they are dispatched to a call saying that there was a body at the bottom of the cliffs at Cedar Bluff's nature preserve. Now, however, when they get there, um, they're unable to find a body. So while searching the area, they locate two people on top of a cliff near the edge involved in a physical altercation. So initially, deputies report that it appeared that the man was attempting to throw the woman off the cliff. Later on, though, they discovered that the woman was actually attempting to stop the man from jumping. Now, how this information didn't come up to later on, I don't know. Uh, it, it seems like it would have been critical in preventing what the thing that happened from happening. But anyhow, deputies and fire crews, then they wrestle the suspect, whose name is David Howard, to the ground, and they handcuff him. According to the deputies, he's restrained, um, uh, but he's cooperative and quiet for about 13 minutes until he says, hey, you were supposed to carry me out of here, meaning that you know he was going to commit suicide. They're going to carry his body, his dead body away, right? It was then determined that Howard needed to be escorted to an area hospital for a mental health evaluation. But here's how they did it. While preparing to transport him to the patrol car, he quickly rotates, they stand him up off the ground. They He quickly rotates to the right and forcibly pulls away from the deputies, and then he starts running towards the cliff. So a, a deputy grabs his arm in an attempt to control him, uh, but then he escapes the deputy's grasp, and he jumps off the cliff. Yes, and it's later determined that he uh, he's the guy that made the, the call, telling the dispatch that there was a body at the bottom of the cliff, and he died from his injuries after jumping off the cliff. Let me tell you. It happened so fast. You're watching this video say, you know, what the heck just happened? You know, it's hard to even process it. And, and this guy that's restrained and they're getting up and they're putting his shoes on while he's restrained. And they stand him up and boom, he bolts. Wow. Uh, Attorney Ken, do you have do you have any stories out of your uh, your little uh, history that you could compare this with or uh, or uh, or not? I've had a couple people over the years try to run out in front of traffic. You know, on a DUI arrest or something, they get stupid and they want to run away and they run out in front of traffic. But th this one here was uh, shocking, I guess, for lack of a better term. He's up on a cliff. The guy has mental issues and they knew he, he had some sort of mental breakdown. And, and after they cuffed him, they really weren't really holding him that tightly. But 
the guy moved so quickly and jumped off the cliff. I don't know what you could have done other than maybe put him in a car right away. So I, I don't really know. I hate to criticize anybody on this situation. The guy was hell bent on dying and he did. So, yeah, it's hard to money, money quarterback, but, uh, but yeah, I'm just glad he didn't take a deputy down with him. So, um, so good, good commentary. Well, guys, uh, another another great show. I thank uh, Attorney Ken Apianco so much for being on the show. I know you're a very busy guy. I mean, look, you're uh, you're still riding, working the streets. You're doing the attorney thing. You're saving cops' lives and careers, you know, as you represent them too. So, really appreciate what you do, Ken. And uh, I usually, uh, you know, take this time to mention you know, Lieutenant Randy couldn't be on this show. He was on yesterday, but the Wounded Blue, the WoundedBlue.org, it's a fantastic organization, a 501c3. I think it's worthy of your support dollars in case you're interested. Check them out at the WoundedBlue.org. Uh, they help cops out suffering from PTSD it's, and, and other medical issues where their agency is not offering them a medical disability, retirement, or even maybe even mon- uh, money to, uh, to take care of these medical needs. Also, a shout out to our sponsors, MotionDSP.com. Uh, we've got gallsgunlearn.com, mymedicare.live, and Bank Energy. Also, huge shout-out, Ray Dietrich, Red Voice Media, and, and letting us have three-year Facebooks for stream. I uh, hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week, guys. Thanks a lot.